Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz, Executive Editor for Information Security Media Group. I'm at InfoSec Europe in London, speaking with Barrett Mystery, a cybersecurity consultant with Trend Micro. He's based here in England, and he's been down on the show floor all day, listening to some of the top concerns that attendees have. Thank you for joining me, Barrett. Thank you. What are some of the things that you're hearing on the show floor? So from the people that we've uh, seen on the stand today, a lot of concern around targeted attacks. In particular, I would say zero-day malware. But um, based on research that Trend Micro has done, certainly over uh, quarter four 2014 and the first half of 2015, we think that the actual emphasis should be more about older malware that's been hanging around. So, for example, Dyer, which came out in um, July, September time 2014, has been ongoing and mutating, and we've seen an upsurge between quarter four 2014 to 2015. So we've seen a 125% increase. So in kind of real terms, that's a change from 4,000 net infections to about 9,000 infections. And really, this, this malware has mutated, so it's, it's the malware writers are changing it very slightly. And, and really, people aren't aware of it. They're, they're, they're so hell-bent focused on zero days that they're forgetting about what's being done. So it's really the same malware, new users, and it's about re-educating them going back. Is this cybercrime malware? I mean, financial Trojan? Absolutely. Dyer is very much geared around stealing user credentials. Uh, the way it works is that you have a piece of dropper malware, which will come down onto the endpoint. And then what it does is, as you go to specific sites, it could be your banking website, for example, it does a hooking into the browser, and it siphons the data between you entering it and it actually leaving your system. And what it creates is something called a man-in-the-middle attack, whereby on one side you're thinking you're talking to your banking application, the reality is you're talking to a malicious website, which looks like you're banking app and they're brokering the conversation in the background. So on the one hand, you might be thinking you're doing a transfer for £50, but in the background, it could be a transfer for several thousand pounds going. And are these web injects where they're hooking into your operating system so that they can change the user interface? Yeah, they, they, they can do. So depending on the type of dropper that comes down. So with Dyer, it was very much designed to sit in the background so you wouldn't know. But there are kind of interfaces at the back end whereby the cyber criminal could lock out your interface, paint you a picture of not much going on. So typically what we'd see is you'd see like a status bar of something involving and in the background the uh, criminal could be doing something else. Uh, the other thing that we've seen actually with these uh, uh, targeted campaigns is the trans-global uh, uh, modification of, these part, uh, of the malware as well. So we've seen traditionally it would have been targeted at the US market but now, certainly in the last three months, we've seen a complete shift. If we look at the spam run in the last three months, 44% of that spam went to Asia Pac, with about 39% in EMEA and about 17% in the US. So a complete change in demographic. And what accounts for the shift? The US is obviously a lucrative market. I think Europe would be a lucrative market. Japan is theoretically a lucrative market, but took different language skills, perhaps? Definitely. So... Uh, if you look at the actual infection rates themselves, so this is aside from the spam, the, the greatest infection rate was in Europe. And this is probably because they haven't changed the basics of the malware. So it's still written in English. People will look at it and they, they, it looks like a genuine email with a malicious attachment which looks like a help file or a cab file. And it will be targeted to specific organisations. 
So there could be one, for example, for a major high street bank, and people are going to click on it. I think as time goes on, certainly later on this year, and as the um, malware writers get tuned to it, they're going to adapt the malware for language-specific settings. So we've seen the spam run, like I said, of 44% in Asia Pack, but the hit was very low. I think as they adapt to that local language and people start clicking on that malware, I think you're going to see a different upscale. And how are malware writers going about disseminating their malicious code more broadly? Are they bringing that expertise in-house? Or are they tapping the broader cybercrime ecosystem, do you think? So this is very interesting, actually. So what's happening is that there's a definite change happening in the industry. Um, If you think about it, four years ago, it would have been a lone individual who would have done the research and then sort of taken out the campaign. What's happening now is that you've got distinct threat actors with distinct capabilities. So in the main, we see the threat actors as being nation states, traditional cyber criminals and hacktivists. They kind of have separate agendas, but what's happening is this uh, cybercrime ecosystem is forming, whereby niche entities are growing. So you'd have a specialist that does vulnerability research, for example. Similar to the way security companies have white hats doing research, but the difference is this research will be sold for malicious content for, uh, for selling on the black market. So something like Silk Road, for example. And they'll be using currency like Bitcoin to kind of trade those secrets. That information will then be sold to another third party who would be a specialist in actually taking it and developing a rootkit or standing up their own infrastructure to to do like a botnet. That infrastructure again will be sold on again to someone else who wants to use it to get infiltration into an organisation. And what's happening is you're actually getting bespoke functions within these niche entities. So you'll have an R&D function, you'll have a sales engine, you'll have a support function and it's getting to the point where you can even have a dashboard seeing how well your botnets do it. So you can see where they're going. They're, they're actually collaborating in a way that most enterprises could absolutely want to dream about but can never achieve. Does the growth of this connected yet niche cybercrime ecosystem make it more difficult to stop? I think definitely. The thing is, from an enterprise point of view, uh, without really any intelligence, it's difficult to know who, you, who the threat attackers are who are targeting you. And uh, if you look at the types of attacks that are out there, it could be anyone. Um, and especially when we start going into the, uh, what I would say, advanced malware or targeted attack campaign, it's like an inverse funnel, whereby the research is used to highly target maybe 10 or 15 individuals in an organisation. Whereas previously, it would have been to take a malware and target as many people as you can in one hit. Reality is it's changing the other way to avoid detection, to, to kind of go under the covers and kind of penetrate in a way that, that gives you a point of presence and then allows you to, to perform, I would say, lateral movement. So this is the ability to move around an enterprise but without being detected. Low and slow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Barrett, thanks very much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Matthew.